Bibles this morning, turn with me to Hebrews, last chapter in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 this morning. If you're able to, this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. And again, I appreciate those that carried on while we were gone this past week, and I appreciate you just being faithful. You know, I, I love a church that when the cat's away, the mice don't play. Yeah, you see, a lot of times, you know, when the preacher's gone, people are like, well, pastor's gone, I'm not going to church, and I'm glad you just keep on going to church. Hey, be quiet back there. All right. (laughs) You think about this uh, series that we've been going through, New Life in Christ. How many of you are enjoying your new life? Isn't the new life better than the old life? Amen. I'd I'd never go back to the old life, I guarantee you that. And uh, you you probably have heard this statement before, that you don't appreciate things until you don't have them, or you don't appreciate things until they're gone, right? You know what I'm talking about this morning? Aren't you glad that the things of God never go away? You see, God, God gave you new life. You didn't buy new life. You didn't earn new life. You didn't live a certain way to have new life. God gave you. God gave you new life. And God doesn't give you something and take it away. There's a lot of people that struggle with, am I saved or am I not saved? And I've, I've preached messages, maybe if, that, if that's you this morning, go back and listen to some of the messages that I've already preached, because listen, if, if eternal life is eternal, it's forever. You can't lose your salvation because you didn't find it to begin with, God gave it to you. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Now, you think about this, when you think about what God has given to us, And unlike the things of this world, you're you're never going to lose it. When you look at this passage this morning, I think a lot of us, when you think of your new life, do we really appreciate the life that God has given to us? Our new life in Christ. And that's what God led me to as we look here in the book of Hebrews chapter number 13 this morning. And it's a great passage, but as we look at this passage We want to look at the fact of how we are to appreciate the new life. And as we look at this, I'm just going to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit before we read our text and say this, that we're going to look back to the Old Testament some this morning, but then we're also going to look forward to the New Testament fulfillment of some of that Old Testament that we'll look at this morning. And we're going to use as our text... Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse number 9, and we'll read down to verse number 16, and you follow along this morning there. The Bible says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore... Unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, if you're visiting today, there's a lot of different ways, and we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights, about 
approaching the Word of God, studying the Word of God. Uh, if you've been in church, many times messages can be what, they, what you would call a topical message. For instance, a message could be about love, and so uh, you might be all over the Bible because there are so many places you can go in the Bible to find uh, verses and text and context about love, all right? There's also a way, and this is a, a, a way of approaching the scriptures that oftentimes I do, just trying to help you understand this morning, which is called expository preaching. Now, an expository message is where you'll take a text, maybe a, a, a portion of the Word of God. This morning, that portion is Hebrews chapter 13, from verses 9 down to verse number 16. Now, the one thing that I love about expository preaching is, is that while you're listening to the message, you have the passage right there in front of you. And what I attempt to do with God's help this morning is to just go line upon line, verse by verse, right through these. In other words, what I'm going to preach to you this morning, if it's okay with you, is I'm going to preach the Bible. Is that all right? And so I'm not going to give you my opinions this morning. I'm going to give you Bible truth, and I want you to follow along. Now, I want you to engage with me this morning in the Scriptures, all right? And so you listen intently, open your heart, and let God speak to you this morning. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the Word of God. And Lord, I thank you for this powerful portion of Scripture, and I pray that you would use it to help many this morning and maybe in some areas in their lives that they've always maybe misunderstood or didn't completely understand. And Lord, I pray that you, your Holy Spirit would illumine and enlighten us and, and share and guide us in truth this morning. And Lord, may you help us, Lord, to walk out of here different than we came. Lord, help us to be your people that appreciate you in a greater way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning, and thank you for standing. Now, the book of Hebrews is a wonderful book of the Bible over here in the latter part of the New Testament, and it was written to Jewish people. It bears the name, the book of Hebrews. It was written to Jewish people who had been converted to Christ. In other words, they had put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were being pulled back into what is known as the sacrificial system. Now, you can find premise for this in the Old Testament. You can see a picture here of how oftentimes they would have an altar constructed in Old Testament times, and on that altar, they would offer sacrifices. The priests would offer up those sacrifices, and I want you to look in this same chapter, look at a couple other verses this morning, beginning in verse number 12, and I want you to see this again. When you think about this, it says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, notice, with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here, here in this life, have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come by him Therefore, by Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. Now, when you read those verses, listen, Satan does not want you, now that you know Christ, just like those, those Hebrews, those Jewish people that had trusted in Christ, Satan doesn't want us to go forward in our life as a Christian. He wants to pull us back into the life that we once lived, into the old life. Now remember this, the Bible tells us this, that Satan is a liar. Satan does not tell the truth. And the new life is what you and I should desire, this new life in Jesus Christ. Now, in the passage this morning, here's what the Holy Spirit, because remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
So the Holy Spirit of God is instructing us, is helping us to understand that Christ, listen now, is superior to the law. You see, God gave us the law, but Christ is superior to the law. Can I, can I get an amen this morning? You see, look, and we're going to hear this this morning, there was a purpose behind God giving us the law, God giving us his word. But in Hebrews chapter number 13 and many other places in the Bible, we find that Christ is superior. The finished work of Jesus Christ, the cross work of Jesus, is superior to the Old Testament sacrificial system that we find in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is challenging us through the book of Hebrews that as Christian believers to not go backwards in our lives now that we know him, now that we have a new life, but to go forward in our new life in Christ. See, we should have a heart to appreciate Jesus. Why? Because you think about all that Jesus has done for you. I mean, how many, of you, how many of you have sat at times and thought about how good God has been to me? You know, the old adage, he's better to me than I deserve. You see, God's grace is so wonderful in our lives, and he has done so much for us. Now, think about that, though, is I run into a lot of Christians, and I talk to a lot of Christians who just, to me, don't seem like they appreciate all that Jesus has done for them. We live in a world of unthankful people. And this morning, I want to draw your attention to this portion of the book of Hebrews, and I want to talk to you about some things about this new life that we should appreciate. Notice, first of all, that we should appreciate the foundation of the new life. As a Christian, we have someone, not something, to appreciate. You see, that someone is our God. I love John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That means God loved us. And I appreciate that God loved me before I ever loved him. And when I think about this foundation that we have and this new life that we have in Christ, look, we see first of all here that the foundation of our appreciation is the grace of God. Look back in verse number 9 of our text this morning. And look at the admonition here. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with what? With grace. Is your heart established by the grace of God this morning? Are you thankful for God's amazing grace in your life? Look, God's people, you and I that know him, we are the recipients of God's grace. The Bible says here these words, establish with grace. That means that our heart is confirmed with the grace of God. We don't have to live daily in our lives wondering if God loves us because we know he loves us because of his wonderful grace. The wonderful grace of Jesus is what the songwriter wrote about. Look, under this this old system that has become known as Judaism, under Judaism, God's people, they were established by certain laws in the Bible. But for Christians today, we are established by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, not by abstaining from certain types of meat and not by remembering certain holy days. We are established by trusting in Jesus Christ, and we are the recipients of God's grace because we have been established by the grace of God. You know the verses in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved, through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, we are not saved through works. We are saved by the grace of God. And because we have accepted Christ as our Savior, listen to this, because we are a child of God, because we've been saved by grace through faith, we are exempt from the law. Look what it says in verse number 9 again. It says that the heart may be established with grace, look at this, and it says not with meats, 
which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. You see, there was a lot of sacrifices. There was a lot of keeping of these sacrifices. But in in verse number 9, under the Old Testament law, there were all these demands, all these dietary laws that were that were imposed and certain holidays or holy days that must have been kept in order to find favor with God. But notice what James writes in James chapter 2 and verse number 10. Whosoever shall keep the whole law, notice W-H-O-L-E, and yet offend in what? One point is guilty of how much? Of all. Now look, we're all sinners. Those, those men just stood here. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. And it's easy for us to break one law or to do something wrong, or as the Bible calls it, sin. And this is why in the Old Testament they had what was known as the Day of Atonement. It was a day where the blood was taken from the sacrificial animals, and it was taken in, and the blood was applied to the mercy seat that was in the Holy of Holies. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 10. For as many as are of the works of the law, notice, of the works of the law, are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, just like we read in James 2.10, that if you were to break one of the Old Testament laws, you were guilty of all the laws. You see, the Old Testament law was never meant to be a way of salvation. Let me say that again. The Old Testament law was never meant by God to be a way of salvation. It was meant to point us to the Savior. That's what the law is about. Look in Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to who? To Christ. That we might be, here it is, justified by faith. See, the law was to point us to the Savior. God has saved us, and we have not been saved through the Old Testament sacrificial system, but through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's own dear Son. And so, listen, this morning, I hope that you appreciate the foundation of our new life that we have in Christ. The foundation of that new life is the grace of God. But then notice, secondly, that that foundation of our appreciation is also the altar of God. Now, go back in our passage in verse number 10 this morning and look at these words. I love this passage. The Bible says here, we have an what? An altar, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Now, when we look at this here, because of the grace of God, the Bible says that we have been given an altar. Let me say that again. Because of the grace of God, we have been given an altar by God. See, the Old Testament, there were many altars, and on these altars, sacrifices were made. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel? Remember the story? And as you study the Bible here, you find that both of them were to bring a sacrifice. And you can see there in the picture that Cain made a sacrifice of fruits and vegetables. And Abel made a sacrifice of blood upon the altar. And the Bible says in Genesis 4, 4, look at this. Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. The Bible tells us over in the book of Hebrews, a couple chapters before our passage this morning, in chapter 11, verse 4, by faith Abel, notice by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. See, Abel's sacrifice was a picture of the the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the future coming of the Lord himself. Cain's offering 
was unacceptable because it was bloodless. Now, the Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. Did everybody see that right there? It is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now, the Bible tells us also in the book of Hebrews this this morning, that there had been many years where they had offered many sacrifices, many animals, lives were taken, and the blood was spilled, and the blood was applied. Now again, all of that was to look forward to one day when the Lamb of God would come, Jesus Christ himself. You see, it was never the blood of those animals that would cleanse us from our sins, because if that were true, then Jesus Christ would have never had to die on the old rugged cross. But you see, Jesus did. As we talked about in Sunday school this morning, he was a friend that laid his life down for us. Not only do we see this matter of the altar and the sacrifice with Cain and Abel, but do you remember the story about Abraham and his son Isaac and how Abraham took his son and they went up to the mountain and as they went up to the mountain, uh, he took his son, and remember his son said, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And you remember what Isaac did, how he laid himself down on that altar. He was willing to be offered up as a sacrifice. And listen, he placed his son, Abraham put his son there on that altar. And, and it's a beautiful story because as he raised that knife in his hand, and, and he, listen, God provided himself, there was a ram caught in the thicket, and that, that, that ram was then taken and offered up instead, or in the place of his son. And we see this again, how that God provides. Look, all through the Old Testament, we see the altar and the importance of the altar, but listen, it doesn't end in the Old Testament. Look at a couple pictures here of various types of altars. Now, Again, these are not all necessarily biblical altars, but there are different types of altars that you would find back in Old Testament days. Some of them were raised altars, and they even had some that were made out of solid bronze. Some were tiered uh, type of stone altars, but there were many that were, that were wood that were covered with metals, such as bronze. And probably the most famous or popular ones were the stone altars they would use various types of stones and they would erect these altars to make these sacrifices on. And, and the Old Testament Hebrews, when you talk to them and they were very familiar with all these different types of altars, they were familiar with the, the Day of Atonement and the concept of the altar. And some in the book of Hebrews, as they're, they're thinking back to the altar and they're thinking back to the sacrificial system, they're, they're being pulled back into that that old system of life back into that old way. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, I love what he says as, as he sees what's going on in their lives, how they're being pulled back into their old sacrificial system. And here's what he says in verse number 10. We have an altar. Folks, you got to get this this morning. You stop and think to yourself, what is he talking about when he says, we have an altar? Now, can I tell you this morning, our altar, yours and mine, is not made out of bronze covering wood. It's not some stone altar. Our altar is Jesus. He is our altar. Look at John 1, This is what John says. John seeth Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus came as the Lamb of God. Why? To give his blood to cover our sins, the sins of the entire world. What did Jesus do? Jesus became the altar. He became our altar. He became the altar for the whole world. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Folks, listen, I know that for a fact that as you study the Word of God, 
the Bible is depicting here that Jesus is the altar, that we can come boldly unto him. We know we can do that through prayer. We know that we can do that in our lives, and that's one of the greatest things about being a Christian is that you don't have to come to me, and you don't have to go to some priest in a confessional. You can go directly to our great high priest, Jesus Christ himself, and we can go to him. We can boldly approach the throne of grace, and you can come boldly to the altar of your life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I think about what this passage is saying this morning, listen, it just helps me appreciate even more this new life that I have in Christ. Why? Because I appreciate the grace of God, and I appreciate the altar of God, which is Jesus Christ himself. Do you appreciate God's grace in your life? Certainly do you appreciate what the Lord has done for us, how that Jesus became our altar. See, we need to appreciate the foundation of the new life, but secondly, we need to appreciate the finish of the new life. Now, go back to our passage in verse number 11, and we're just working our way through it, but look what the Bible says here in verse 11 and verse number 12. It says, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Now, when you think about appreciating the finish, see, nobody's going to live forever. We're either going to step through death's door or the Lord's going to come back for us. But there's going to be a finish in our lives. And when we think about this new life and appreciating the finish, how can we appreciate the finish? Well, listen, first of all, it is because we identify with Christ now on this earth. You and I identify with him now. We identify with his atonement for our sins. The Bible says here in verse number 11, the bodies of those beasts, it's talking about the blood that was shed, those animals that lost their lives that, so that that blood could be brought in for a sacrifice. Those beasts were slain, and here's what the Bible says, outside the sanctuary. It wasn't inside the sanctuary. And then their blood was brought into the sanctuary to make atonement. Well, listen, if you know what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus was taken out outside the camp, outside the city. Jesus was slain on a hill called the Hill of the Skull, Golgotha. And you, you can see a depiction here of where Jesus is outside the city walls that he was hanging there for the sins of the world. Jesus bore in his body the sins of the entire world. Look in your notes in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often. Listen, listen, listen nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, what's that next word? Once. In the end of the world hath he appeared to take away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let me ask you this simple question this morning. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? How many times did he have to offer his blood? Once. So when I said earlier, and there are a lot of religions today, and by the way, religion is not of God, it's of man. And what happens is, is that they teach that you can because of sin, that you can lose your salvation. Jesus died once for the sins of the world. To say that you trusted Christ and accepted the gift of God and know that you're on your way to heaven, and then to sin after you're saved, and by the way, we're all sinners saved by grace. 
We all, nobody's perfect after they, after they get saved. But here's what happens is, is that they, they lead you to believe that because you sin after you're saved, that you then again cannot go to heaven because you have sinned. That is not, that is not the case. Because listen, if you have to be saved over and over and over and over and over again, that means that Jesus would have had to die over and over and over and over again. But the Bible says he died once. His blood was shed once. You see, if you've been saved by the grace of God, listen to me now, his blood has covered your sins past, present, and future. You are saved by the grace of God. And Jesus now once in the end of the world hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. For hundreds of years, the high priest would take the sacrificial animal outside the camp. The blood was shed. Then it was taken into the Holy of Holies and it was sprinkled on the mercy seat. The blood was applied to cover the sins of the children of Israel. But according to our passage this morning in Hebrews 9, Jesus Christ died one time on the cross of Calvary, one time shed his blood, and he settled the sin issue forever. It's done. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. And the best part is, listen, we have an altar. That's what the Bible says. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. And our altar is Jesus Christ. There are no other sacrifices that are needed because we identify with his atonement for our sin. But we also identify with his altar. Look, folks, I'm going to tell you, if you've read and you've meditated, the cross was a very painful, it was a very humiliating moment in the life of Jesus Christ. And as, look what it says here in verse number 13 of our passage this morning. It says, let us go therefore unto him without the camp. Look at these words. Bearing his what? His reproach. See, if we are going to identify with Jesus, that means that we may be asked of God to bear his reproach. It's not always easy to be a Christian. If you've lived for God, you know that's true. The world doesn't love Christians. The world is not tolerant towards Jesus Christ. At Christmas time, they try to do everything they can to take Christ out of Christmas. And can I tell you, that, listen, it wasn't easy for Jesus, but Jesus was willing to suffer the reproach. Why? Because of you and me. And as I think about this this morning, we should appreciate the finish of the new life because we now identify with Christ, his atonement, and his altar. But then notice also that we will be glorified with Christ one day in heaven. In other words, if we're talking about finishing the new life, where does our new life culminate in Christ? Can I tell you, it's not going to culminate in Pembroke Pines. It's not going to culminate in Washington, D.C. Where does our faith end? Look in verse 14. The Bible says, for here we have no continuing city. This world is not our home. It's temporary, according to the word of God. So where does our faith end? I mean, people today, they're so enamored with the here and now. What can I get out of life now? They want to save the planet now. The songwriter wrote, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I mean, we flew back yesterday, and I'm going to tell you something. I was looking at the clouds from the plane window, and I was thinking, how beautiful. The sun was shining through. One time my wife says, hey, look, can you see the rainbow? There's a beautiful rainbow outside. Somewhere beyond those clouds, that's going to be our home someday. We're going to spend all of eternity with the Lord. John wrote in 1 John 2, 17, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God, look at these words, abideth for how long? 
forever. There you go again. Eternity. Everlasting life. Go back to verse 14. I love the rest of the verse. He says, for here in this earth, in this world we live in, we have no continuing city. Remember, the world's going to pass away. But look at the last part of the verse. But we seek one to come. Are you looking forward to heaven someday? Heaven's a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Folks, listen, I looked around, looked around, looked around. This is the most pitiful picture, but I, I just wanted to put something up there to make you think about heaven. I mean, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be so wonderful. And you know the best part about it is? I'm not going to have to take any of my tools with me. People say, Pastor, do you enjoy your vacation? Yeah. I built a table and a bench for my one daughter. And I laid three rooms of flooring and did some drywall work for my other daughter. Now, I was happy to do it. I love doing that stuff. I love doing things for my kids, my grandkids. I didn't have a problem doing it. I was, I'm not complaining this morning. I told somebody in Sunday school this morning, they said, wow, you, you worked the whole time. I said, no, no, I didn't work the whole time. I enjoyed family, had a good time. I said, uh, you know, I, I enjoy those types of things. I, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, I, next time we move, I said, I just want to, I want to, you know, wherever we live, I just want it to be some rundown, dilapidated shack. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to put one nail. I'm not going to fix one door. I'm not, 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 because every time I fix something up, God moves me. You know, it just, it's just not right. But when I think about what he says here, that we seek one to come. The word seek means we're searching for. Our affections are set on that. How many of you have ever thought, how many of you have thought this week about heaven? Anybody? I mean, listen, I'm not in a hurry to get there, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I think about how wonderful heaven's going to be. The Bible says, as Paul writes to those in Philippi, look at this. He says, our conversation is in heaven. I mean, everything is a journey in life that will end in a heavenly city. He says, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul writes the word, our conversation, he's talking about our life our lifestyle. See, we are, we are here in this world and we are to make decisions in this world that are decisions that have a heavenly connotation to them. We train our children the way that we train them because one day, guess what? We're going to stand before the Lord one day in a place called heaven. Uh, everyone that's here this morning that may be a husband, you're going to stand before God one day and give an account of whether or not you loved your wife and whether or not you led your family. I'm going to stand someday before God and give an account not only for my family, but for this church and what I've done for the Lord. Look, we live with all of this in mind. Why do we give and why do we attend church and why do we love people? Because we understand that we will be glorified one day with Christ in heaven. See, the finish of our, of our new life, that one day, hey, it's all going to culminate when we will be with the Lord. See, we have an altar, and one day we're going to be with Him, but until that day, we have the privilege to boldly approach the throne of His grace to come before His altar. Uh, this morning, I wonder if you appreciate the foundation of your new life, the grace of God, the altar of God. I wonder if you're thinking about the finish of the new life and how God's going to give you an opportunity, not only now in this life, to identify with Jesus, but one day we're going to be glorified to be with Him for all of eternity. But then look at this, and this is where it brings it home to us right now. Number three is we should appreciate the freedom of the new life. See, people act like living the Christian life is a life where You've got like a ball and chain and you can't enjoy life. Folks, it's, honestly, it's just the opposite. We have liberty in Christ. God's given us liberty. And I hope you appreciate the freedom of the new life. Look, if you're glad that you're saved, then 
that Jesus is your altar and that you're on your way to heaven, that, that you have a city that is a continuing city, can I tell you this morning that it's a joy to live the Christian life. And I want to look at three opportunities that God gives to each one of us as his children to appreciate the new life. Notice, first of all, we have the freedom to offer our praise. Go back in our Bible. We ended in verse 14. Look at verse number 15. The Bible says here, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The Bible says, let us offer the praise that is due to him, listen to this word, continually. That means you need to praise God all the time. Always be offering the sacrifice of praise. Thank you, God, for the rain. Thank you, God, for this house. Thank you, God, for this job. Thank you for whatever it may be. We are to offer our praise. We have been given freedom to offer. The word offer means to carry up, to put it on the altar. Listen, this morning we'll give an invitation and God wants you to bring your offering of praise. Don't always come to God saying something like this, gimme, gimme, gimme. Come to God and say thank you, thank you, thank you. Continually offering it up on the altar, carrying it to God. As believers, we have the priestly privilege to approach God. Folks, look, if you look back in the Old Testament of your Bible, the priest is the one that would approach God for the people. Aren't you glad today that I don't have to give it to some man and hope that it gets there, that I can bring it to God myself? I can come to him and offer it up. Look at 1 Peter 2, 5. The Bible says here, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. As believers, we don't have to bring things to God through an intermediary. We don't have to hope that someone else will get it there, that we can come directly to the Lord on our own. We can bring our praise to Him continually. It is a given thing that God's people should praise God. I'll tell you this, I know many people that aren't saved, and you don't hear them praising God, but if anyone ought to praise God, it ought to be those that have much to be thankful for. God has been so good to us. Don't focus on what's wrong in your life. Focus on what's right. Give praise to the Lord continually. Thank Him for your salvation. Thank God for His Word. Thank, listen, be thankful for the local church. Be thankful for your family. Be thankful for your job. Psalm 35, 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. You see, we have freedom, folks. Freedom, the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 13, to offer him our praise. But notice, secondly, we have freedom to offer our service. Look at the first part of verse number 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. Now, this is talking about our service. See, when we do something good, these five guys that stood here and sang for the Lord, they were doing good. When you sing in the choir, you're doing something good. Playing the piano, working the sound system, working in the nursery, ushering in the services, greeting at the doors, sharing the gospel, whatever it is, the Bible says here that we have the freedom to offer our service what we do, we're doing for the Lord. See, through our service, we are worshiping the Lord. Look at Galatians 6.10. As we have therefore, what's that word? Opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. See, people say, boy, I, I, I really like getting involved. Well, what are you waiting for? There's always something to do around the house of God. I mean, listen, folks, we had people up here trimming bushes this week. We had people doing all kinds of things around here. There's plenty of things to do around the, the church house, not just during the services, before and after the services, 
during the week. Hey, listen, God says, look, as you have therefore opportunity. If you're looking, you'll find something that you can do. Hey, just ask one of us, but I'll tell you this, don't ask us because if you do, we're going to give you something. By the way, this isn't my church, this isn't Brother Kenny's church, this isn't Brother Chris's church, this is the church of the living God. This is your church as much as it is our church, and we need to all pitch in, and we need to all serve God. And the Bible says here in verse number 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. Now notice these words, to communicate. Notice thirdly, we have the freedom not only to to offer our praise and freedom to offer our service, but we have freedom to offer our gifts. Now, I'm right here in this passage, and I've, I've, like I told you earlier, we're just going line upon line. And the Bible says here in verse 16, to do good and to communicate, forget not, for which such sacrifices God is what? He's well pleased. Now, I love these words here in the last part of verse number 16, to communicate. The word communicate. In the Bible, have you ever heard the word koinonia. In the Bible, it's translated as the word fellowship. It's interesting, God chose the same word right here. The the word communicate is actually the same word koinonia. And here in this verse, it, it carries the idea to jointly contribute. See, at, at Bible Baptist Church, we take up what's called an offering. It's time for us to worship God through the offering. And the Bible says that God is well pleased when we communicate that it is a sacrifice that God is well pleased with, just like we offer our services. And so when you think about this, what are we doing? According to the word, we're jointly giving as a people of God to the work of God. Now, as a church, If you go down that hallway, if you're visiting with us, we'd invite you to go down the hallway on this side as you go across the the foyer. You'll find on the walls 63 missionaries that our church currently supports. Now, just to give you an idea, and I'm not comparing churches, I'm really really praising this church, praising you, uh, because of what God has done through you and through your hearts We were in a church that runs about or maybe more than our church, and that church supports 15 missionaries. And this church, you, support 63 missionaries. God blesses that kind of heart. God blesses that kind of giving. And the Bible says here that as we communicate, we're giving of our substance. Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter number 4. Look what it says. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church, look at the word, no church communicated with me as concerning, here's the words, giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Now as Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, here's what he's saying is that the church was communicating with him. They were supporting him financially. They were giving of his necessities, the needs that Paul had in his life. Look, when you are thankful, and, th- and listen, that's the way we need to be. We need to appreciate the, the altar of God, of Jesus himself. We need to appreciate the grace of God. And when we are thankful that we have an altar and a city to come, a home in heaven someday, Look, we will praise his name and we will do good works and we will give in his name. That's what the Bible says. Again, somebody said years ago, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And as we give, it shows that we love the Lord. We want to praise his name. We want to serve him with all of our hearts. And right along with that is we want to give to him. We want to give to his work. The question this morning is, do you appreciate what the Lord's given to you in the new life? Do you appreciate the new life in Christ? Do you appreciate the altar that God has given? The altar is the Lord Jesus himself. Are you grateful that someday that if you're saved, that heaven will be your home, that you have a continuing city? And if you are, what are you offering to the Lord? Are you offering spiritual sacrifices to God? 
I think of what the Bible says about the greatest offering that was ever given. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You know what that unspeakable gift is? Jesus. I did a little time reflecting on that word unspeakable. You know, a lot of times we, we look at words in the Bible and we look at that and we think to ourselves, unspeakable, that means that you can't say it. What's interesting about this word is it literally means it's a wonder beyond description. That no words can express the gift that God gave in his own son. You just can't say enough about what Jesus has done for us. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I wonder today, is Jesus your altar? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you had a time in your life that you realized that you could not save yourself, you could not do enough good things, and you knew that the only way that you could ever have eternal life, go to heaven someday, is to put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. If you're saved this morning, would you slip your hand up as a testimony that you've had a time in your life that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Many hands are up. You can put your hands down. It's a wonderful sight to see all those hands. Every hand represents the fact that you have a home in heaven someday. It's like you're already there, but you're still here in this world. Some people did not raise their hand this morning. Maybe you've been struggling in life, wondering where is your life going to end? Now the Bible's clear. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Do you want to spend eternity with God? Or do you want to spend eternity without God? The answer to that question is up to you. See, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son, Jesus. The gift has already been given. The question this morning is, will you accept God's gift? If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ, why don't you come this morning? This is called an invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond. If God is speaking to you right now, and you know if he is, because he's impressing upon you, you know that you're not happy. You know there's a longing in your heart. You want something that you can't buy and you can't get. But this morning, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved. God's grace will save you. By faith, that's putting your confidence, your trust in the Lord. If you need to be saved this morning, don't put it off. We have counselors that can take the Bible, just like I did this morning in Hebrews 13, and show you how you can know for sure that heaven will be your home someday. During this invitation time, would you come? Would you respond so that you can have a home in heaven someday? Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?